and we're back. Bill Bunkley here. The Bill Bunkley Show is we are broadcasting all across Central Florida this afternoon on Salem Radio. Reminding you that uh, we're here every day from 3 to 6 p.m. And uh, really always encourage you to join in the discussion. I'm very, very looking forward to this time of, uh, of my chat with uh, an author of a subject that I've been talking about for, well, many years. Dennis Allen is my guest, and he wrote the book, The Disciple Dilemma, Rethinking and Reforming How the Church Does Discipleship. And let me just add, if it does any discipleship. And let me also say my good friend, Tom Woodward. You know Tom, executive director of the C.S. Lewis Society here in Tampa. Also at Trinity College uh, as a research professor. Uh, big, big endorsement of this book. And all I have to hear is that Tom says this is great. And that began the journey. And in fact, it is as well. Now, Dennis Allen has served as a chief executive officer in national and international enterprises across electronic software building materials, environmental series, services, as well as oil and gas industries. Well, I bet you he has an idea about inflation today. And uh, he's been a member of and served in the leadership roles in mega, mid-sized, and startup churches, serving as an elder, deacon, teacher, board member, speaker, with an emphasis on strategy and planning. Uh, A combat-rated United States Air Force F-15 fighter pilot, mission commander and instructor pilot prior to his business career and is an alumni of the Oxford Center for Christian Apologetics in Oxford, United Kingdom. No doubt how he and Tom got together. And with that, Dennis Allen, we welcome you to our broadcast. Hello, Bill. Grateful to be with you. And I am grateful for your service and thank you for serving our country and being with us today. Thank you, sir. Well, my story goes all the way back to when my daddy died at age 16, and uh, I was attending a, ba- I was a I was a good Presbyterian, I guess. I was attending a Baptist church. My dad died unexpectedly in his early 50s of, of a stroke, like two days after Christmas, 1971. And needless to say, uh, my mom and I, my older brother, moved out. Uh, it was some tough times, but I've been going to a Baptist church. And Dr. B. Lazell Owens um, contacted me. Of course, you knew who I was. We sat down. Not only did I, did I accept Christ through the Holy Spirit working through him, I was baptized. But he discipled me personally for a year with meetings, opportunities to discuss how my growth was going. Is that not a lost art, Dennis Allen? That's a rare creature today, Bill. You had... A, a, just a bequeathal of fantastic inheritance in that experience. And I will tell you, at the time, he then went on to be the academic um, uh, person at Luther Rice Seminary. He was a speed reader. Uh, he, he could do the Greek and the Hebrew Aramaic without any kind of, uh, of uh, using any kind of guides or anything. He was a remarkable person, and as you can imagine, it left an impact on me. So when you go one-on-one or you disciple someone and you well know how how much that will impact a person for life, why has our church leaders uh, let this get away from us? Well, it's an interesting curveball, and I'd say it kind of goes like this as a story. This is the, this is the background of the disciple dilemma. That the operating system of discipleship has been hacked. 18 centuries ago, Christianity 
began hacking into its own Christ-given discipleship, and it's been piling on and choking up the system, bogging it down, shutting it down, and locking it up for 18 centuries. Some of us had a little more of an experience, some of us had a little less of an experience biblically, but today we're experiencing that avalanche, the compounding problem of that hack that started 18 centuries ago. There's symptoms that we can see, Bill, on the surface, but that's not the cause of the problem. The cause of the problem is underneath six issues that we identified, and we said, here's where modern Western discipleship is getting put in the ditch, these six issues. Hmm. You know, um, in the day, it was two emphasis. One was being a part of the small group, and I led a small group of men for probably eight or ten years in my home church at Idlewild, uh, and that's back in the 80s. And then it was, if someone came to the Lord, you know, the idea is, who are you discipling if you are somewhere along the pendulum uh, of, a, of a Christian that is uh, being sanctified. Today, I think we've substituted, even if it happens, a lot of areas it doesn't, we've kind of substituted the small group for discipleship. Is that how you guys see it? We do. There's a real challenge for pastors. There's a real challenge for the people in the pews. And we've put this pressure on kind of full circle on the system, right? And what, what I mean by that is we need pastors, we need small groups. We need mission trips. We need worship gatherings. We need all of that. But we need that as disciples who are in that, as opposed to doing that, to, to putting management metrics on pastors, to putting demands for everybody to be in a small group of 10 or 12 where there's not much relationship, but there's a lot of small group. I mean, I don't know what your small group experience is like, but they're wonderful. They're wonderful experiences. Yes. They're, they're like take, taking the best vitamins you could imagine spiritually, but that's not the core meal of discipleship. That core is what you experience, that one-on-one, one-on-few. Mm. So let me ask you, listening in today, who is your one? Who are you <laughs> discipling? Or are you a new Christian? Have you asked for someone to disciple you? Now keep in mind, that means accountability. That means being honest. That means being transparent. In the narcissistic, self-centered world we live in today, you need to realize you're going against the grain because everything is secretive. Everybody goes out and parties at night when the sun sets. That means you have to be ready to be real about your new relationship with Christ. And oh, by the way, for those of you veterans, how many people have you discipled in your life? How many have you given back? We're talking about a brand new book. I highly recommend The Disciple Dilemma, Rethinking, as well as Reforming How the Church Does Discipleship. Dennis Allen, distinguished author with me today. Before we talk about those six traditions that have, uh, you know, kind of gone into the cul-de-sac, you also provided a section for me to think about, and it's by the numbers. Uh, I know most of these will, but could you talk about by the numbers? Because that is the evidence of how desperate people don't realize it, but they need to be discipled here as any kind of form of self-described Christian. Yeah, the numbers are really stunning when you look at this. And these are from the research houses. This isn't just numbers that somebody dreamed up after eating too much pizza. Mm -hmm. For example, we've got the fact today that 60% of people who are 45 and under who grew up in the church are walking off. They're what we call today the nuns and the duns. The nuns 
are people who say, I no longer am formally affiliated with any church. The Duns, I don't want anything to do with any church, nothing to do with my faith. 60% walking off. Here's another number. 80% of the people who are still in the pews, the ones who haven't walked off, are inert. What we mean by that is they have nothing other than attending a sermon 1.7 times a month. They have no Bible study, no fellowship, no development in their, in their Christian life. Here's one more number I'll toss out. 90% of the people sitting in the pews say, I'm not equipped, or it's not my job to talk about my faith. That's Bill's job or the pastor's job, but it's not my job. And of that 90%, 40% of them aren't even convinced Christ is God, Christ is Lord. Do we have a problem by those numbers? Mm. They are stunning indeed. And so we know that there is a tremendous, tremendous disconnect. So you talk about six very important past church traditions. And sometimes thinking up all these new ways to do Christ, well, you know what? You got a, a lot of thinkers out there, but some of the more traditional ways have been time-tested and proven. Talk about some of these six traditions that now find themselves kind of in the cul-de-sac these days. These traditions are traditions that were put together, some for very good reasons and some for not very good reasons, but they're not good and they're not biblical. So when everybody hears us talk about traditions, we're not talking about uh, beautiful biblical traditions. We're talking about non-biblical. And so let me give you one of those. And, and uh, Bill, you just sort of set our pace on how much you want to scrimmage this. The one that I would bring up first was from the pre-Constantinian era and it was a group of people we call the lapsi or the lapsed. And the, the category of the cause, which we don't recognize in the church, but it is all amongst us. And it's so familiar, we don't even see it. And it's optional lordship. And what it means is, I really like being a fan of Jesus. That's Sam Alberry's phrase. But I don't really want to upgrade to being a, an unconditionally surrendered disciple. So it's great to get saved. I'm good, and I don't need to be having Jesus as my Lord. Optional lordship is one of those stealthy traditions. Get these people saved. Don't give them the fine print about being surrendered to Christ. So when we look at these traditions, and we talked about this good old-fashioned, you know, one-on-one -on -one discipleship for a year or so, and a real, real uh, transparent um, small group. What do we do to try to get back to that? Because people are very narcissistic. They're very self-centered. We see that by the exodus of so many people in the church. And I uh, am certainly concerned about the lost world, but I'm also considered of a lot of people who have self-identified as a Christian and I, I wonder if only God knows and they know, but I think about that narrow gate and a wide gate. Uh, I think some folks that are just kind of hit and missing this thing, if they don't, if they don't have a revival in their life, I think it could have some serious complications. What do you think? This problem is so prevalently piled onto pastors. You've got to preach harder. You've got to come up with another program. You've got to make people feel guilty or shamed about doing better, working harder to be disciples. The reality is, 
if we if we set aside for just a moment God's providence and who He has called to Him and how He has called them to Him, and just simply look at these symptoms and the causes, here's our real issue: as churches, we have coerced pastors into following metrics. I'm a CEO. I live by metrics. I'm a CEO. I try to get performance out of people. But you can't run discipleship on metrics. You can't force pastors to follow the mission Christ gave us in Matthew 28 by saying, run up a bunch of programs, run up a bunch of sermons, and expect everybody to fall in line. The way discipleship works is in relationship. And until your mission of your church and the culture of your church begins to drive one-on-ones, one-on-twos, deep relational discipleship, wingmen, until your church does that, you're going to put in a lot of action and you're not going to get production for it. You're just going to make brittle, fragile members. Mm. All right. Folks, Folks, we're talking about uh, a brand new book. Dennis Allen is uh, spot on. It's called The Disciple Dilemma. Rethinking and Reforming How the Church Does Discipleship. When I come back, I want to ask him his thoughts about what some are writing about mega churches that have lost a lot of people, and they're listening online. And uh, I wonder if online discipleship, listening to Charles Stanley, is effective. We'll do uh, that conversation next to Bill Bunkley's show. Be right back. That's not what the local church is about, or is it? What are your thoughts about this? Bill, it's time for us as leaders in the church, and I'm defining leaders in the church as anybody who's old enough to qualify for a learner's permit and they've been a believer for more than six months, right? (laughs) But if we're leaders in the church, especially the formal leaders, pastors, deacons, elders, trustees, committee members, small group leaders, get out of managing and get into relationships and start coaching and teaching your people how to go one-on-one. In that regard, I'm just anticipating a question you want to bring up. We hear it all the time. Mega churches can be mega churches and serve Christ, but it's a very complex play to say one pastor talking to 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 people is going to be mm-hmm. discipling them. He's yep. a great vitamin for their life, but he is not the main course. We have to relate. Get out of your management, folks, and start leading by example, rebuilding your culture so that we can start building relational discipling. If they want to stay online, We've got other people to work on first, and maybe we can bring them back. But we need to relate to people to build disciples. Now, there was a time where we had small groups that were meeting by video. But I want to tell you, getting together once a week over coffee or um, in another situation, there is nothing like being face-to-face. That's an important um, uh, aspect that you point out in your book. Uh, we just got a minute or two left. Talk about that. Because I think that uh, between the corona, uh, the coronavirus, I mean COVID, I should say, the, the COVID pandemic, and what some things that maybe the federal government was all about to tamper down religious freedom and the Christian church, it seems like many people have been reconditioned that they don't do people, even as Christians. How dangerous is that? It's really dangerous. You know, I started out my career after college as a fighter pilot, and one of the things that we really believe in is a wingman. What we mean by that is somebody who knows me so well that even without a radio call, I know what's on that person's mind. I know what's going on. I can look at their six and help keep them clear, safe, and effective, and they can do the same for me. We can't do that digitally. Now, it's fun to learn digitally, but we can't disciple 
digitally. It's just not going to work. We need wingmen. We need mentors. And we need people at our 6 o'clock trying to learn from us as we go forward. Well, folks, the book is The uh, Disciple Dilemma, Rethinking and Reforming How the Church Does Discipleship. And I want to just tell you, Dennis Allen has um, really uh, done a very, very superb work of um, shaking us up, calling us to attention. But this is not just for your pastor. It's just not just for the deacons, chairman of deacons, elders, chairman of the elders. You know what? It is not up to your pastors to be the only ones in the church sharing the gospel. Folks, that's up to you. They should be just teaching you more and more of of the God of God's word and how to be relatable. But uh, if Jesus sent out the disciples two by two while he was still ministering on this earth and then received them when they came back, what do you think about that model is not relevant today? So we leave you with that. Get your copy of The Disciple Dilemma uh, by Dennis Allen. And then push a little bit in love your pastor, your deacons, not only just for small groups, for face-to-face discipleship. With that, Dennis Remember, Allen, thank you so much. People, Go ahead. Quickly. We ask people to look at DiscipleDilemma.com also to join the conversation. DiscipleDilemma.com. 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 Check out that website now and get your copy of the book. Dennis, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Bill. Bill Bunkley here, Salem Radio, Central Florida. We'll be right back. <laughs> 